Hey guys, hope all is well. Today we will be doing podcast number seven with Ryan Goodson. So Ryan, why don't you start us off with some background about you? Sure, Lee. And thanks so much for having me on, man. I'm excited to be here and talk with you and excited for excited for all your success. And you're doing, you're doing unbelievable things. Um, to give everybody a little bit of background on myself, I'm a player development coach and I operate my own business under my name, Goodson Basketball. And I've been doing it for 11 years full time now. Um, I've been blessed to do just about everything you could do in basketball. Um, I've been an analyst for ESPN calling college basketball games. I've written a textbook on basketball fundamentals. It's in stores. Um, I've been fortunate to travel to 30 states and seven countries training players. Um, I was the original director of the Stephen Curry Skills Academy back in the day in 2011, which was basically an event where we had the the top high school and college players who came and worked out with uh, Steph Curry and I, and I assisted Steph in developing a curriculum based around his skill set that we taught to the players over a three-day period. So that was an awesome opportunity to not just, you know, teach with Steph, but kind of learn the insight behind why he does some of the things he does. Um, most of my day-to-day now is, um, you know, helping players from the ages of seven to professional level uh improve their game improve their mindset improve their leadership uh so i'll spend anywhere from 30 to 40 hours in the gym each week uh working with players and and then working on my game as well that's amazing we'll definitely touch on a lot of that throughout the podcast so you were saying that like you coach kids from like seven years old to professionals like what is your coaching philosophy? Sure, sure. That, that, that's a great question. Uh, to me, I think, I think skills pay the bills in basketball. Like, you see it more so in today's game than ever. If you can shoot the basketball, you can play at any level, right? If you can facilitate and handle the ball, if you can – I mean, that's why I love basketball. It's so different from many other sports where literally if you're playing football and, you know – you've got these high aspirations, but you don't have the build to be bigger, faster, and stronger. Like there's so much you can, um, you can achieve in basketball, even being undersized or not quite as athletic. And you see it, you see it across the NBA from Stephen Curry to Luka Doncic players that have just invested enormous time and energy into their skill development. Um, so that's a big part of it, but I'm also, because I train so many kids and this does it, you know, you don't lose this once you get older, but, there's so many basketball, uh, basketball things that, you know, you're working on life skills as well. So part of, part of my training, besides just teaching you how to play the basketball game, is preparing you for adversity uh, with my curriculum, preparing you uh, for success, preparing you, you know, for, for all the things, all the intangible things that the best players have. Um, we try to attack you know, in workouts, certain, like, like, for example, every, every workout that I do, I will give players an incredibly difficult challenge and we'll spend maybe five minutes on it. And for those that follow me, it may be, you see some of the crazy ball handling stuff I post. And the purpose of it is not just a skill work thing, but like, if, if, if you want to improve your patience, then you got to go through adversity. If you want to 
uh, have confidence, then you have to work at something until you have success. So I want players to go through that process of like, I am absolutely terrible at this to like learning how to do it, to mastering it in a session. And I think that's impactful because when you get in the game and you get down 15 or you're up 15, you want players that can handle that with a mental toughness that, you know, I've got this. Yeah. Like that's, that's great to hear. Like, being able to impact players, not just on the court, but off the court as well, teaching them life skills. Like that's really important, especially with mental health during COVID and just been learning a lot about that too. So like earlier in the podcast, you were saying that you've worked, you've worked at, at the Stephen Curry camps and, and we've also had conversations about Steph Curry and also other NBA stars. So like, what was it like working with Steph Curry and other NBA stars that are currently in the league? It was, it was a great experience. Um, it was a three-day event, and Steph and I had communication prior to it. Um, but let me, let me start with just a little bit of background on that event because I'm sure we've got some skill development trainers and people that are listening and watching that may be curious, like, how did I at the time, which I was – uh, one year removed from college, get to do a prestigious event like that. Um, the, the background story on this is when I graduated college, like I think I was a little bit naive. And at that time, I thought that I deserved to run a Nike Skills Academy. At the time, they used to do these like Nike would have these events and they'd tag a player to it like LeBron James or Steve Nash or Vince Carter or Kevin Durant. And they would tag them alongside this. They bring in the top players. And, and Lee, I remember like doing everything I could to get in touch with someone who knew someone that could get me into these skills academy. Because at the time that was like perceived as like, like you've made it in skill development if you're working these events. And I just never got the time of day. And I remember going back to my alma mater at Appalachian State. And I was talking to a player. His name was Omar. And Omar, I had trained. He was on the App State team. And I remember just like basically just venting to him like, you know what? I, I want to do these Nike Skills Academies. Maybe I should just start my own. And Omar was all about it. He's like, you should. And he's like, you should call up Stephen Curry. And I thought, sure, yeah, I'll call up Steph. I, I've got his number. No, I, I don't know him or anyone to get in contact with him. And it turned out that Omar was his high school teammate, which I didn't know, and was also in his wedding. So they were really close friends. He called up Steph Curry. He said, this is my guy, Ryan. He's unbelievable. And just gave me a really good pitch. And Steph called me the next day. He was ready to go. He watched my videos. He liked my style in the sense of uh, I did some outside-the-box things. I did some overload drills, which he was into, making practice way tougher than the game. And we just began to talk and prepare. So for skill development trainers out there that can't get in the door, they won't. Sometimes you just got to create the opportunity for yourself, which was true in my case. And also don't be afraid to, to ask people. There are takers out there that just take, take, take and take, but there's also givers. And Omar was a giver. Stephen Curry was a giver. And they were like, yeah, you've got passion. You're good at what you do. And we'd love to help you. There's lots of people out there that will extend your reach and do that. And anybody listening and watching, you know, if I can help you out, you know, you can get, get my contact info from Lee. I'd love to help you. But um, it was an amazing event, three-day event. We broke down Steph Curry's skill set. 
some things that stood out to me with Steph Curry over the course of that event was this guy's got unbelievable patience. And I mentioned that earlier, you know, one of the intangibles I want players to have. The formula for basketball success is failure plus failure plus failure plus failure plus failure, and then you have success. So unless you have that persistence and that toughness and most importantly, the patience, are you willing to wait for the results to come? So like the Steph Curry story I always tell is, like when he was a junior and senior in high school, he wasn't the best player in the world, the best player in the country, the best player in the state of North Carolina. I'll keep going. He wasn't even the best player, arguably, on his team. And how do you go from that to now one of the greatest players in the world? Well, that one of those components is patience. When Steph trains, he is willing to wait. So all that time, he wasn't highly touted and highly rated. While he waited, he worked. And so many players, you know, they want that microwave success. And we all do. We're all human and we want things to come quick. and We want things to come logically. Like I work hard today. I get a little bit better. I work hard tomorrow. Well, sometimes that improvement can be spontaneous. You don't know when it's going to come. You don't know when it's going to click. I'm sure we can think of times in so many of our own careers or in players we've watched where it's just like, where did they come from? Well, that it didn't just happen overnight. It's not an overnight success. Like they continue to put in the work even when they weren't getting results. And that was Steph Curry's story. And that's how he's been his whole career. You know, he went, you know, basically not recruited on partial scholarship to Davidson. Then he drops like 30 points in one of his first games. And it's like, wow, we just this guy's unbelievable. It just clicked for him. And then he gets to the NBA and he has a couple good years. And then all of a sudden he's an MVP you know, candidate wins MVP two times in a row. Like he's a guy that it's been spontaneous would be my observation. And you give an opportunity for that type of improvement if you're patient. So his patience stood out to me. The way he thinks the game uh, stood out to me as well. This is a guy that sees a lot more and, you know, a glimpse on the court than most players. And he illustrated that when we would watch film, you know, without going into any detail, just know that Steph Curry is a chess player out there and he is thinking two and three moves past you and two and three possessions past you. And uh, it's unbelievable to hear how he thinks the game uh, as well. He's just a great guy. Uh, he's got a foundation. Uh, he's a Christian and Jesus Christ is his coach. He studies his playbook. That's his game plan for life. Uh, and he has this piece about him that I haven't seen anyone I've worked with. And I think that comes from the Lord where he's never too up. He's never too down. And, you know, even when he, he lost to the Toronto Raptors, he's gracious enough and humble enough. Uh, and it's real to like, call up Drake after and congratulate him, call up the Raptors players and congratulate him. Cause I just feel like, uh, and I think that's a good uh, lesson for a lot of coaches and players out there. Like he's not overstressing it. He, in my, in my observation, he is very much at peace. He may spend 15, 20 minutes after a game, uh, you know, critical of himself, but then it's over, you know, he's, he's moving on to the next thing. So those would be, you know, from an intangible standpoint, things I know. It's very peaceful, very patient. Uh, and from a basketball standpoint, this guy gets after it. Uh, I asked him once, I said, Steph, what can I tell these young players I train 
if they want to shoot the basketball like you do. And he said, you know, Ryan, they don't understand how fast they go, how fast I go in the workout. So please try to share with them, like when I'm coming into my shot, whether it's on a curl or a pull up, when I stop, it's on a dime. I attack my stops and you smell burnt rubber from my shoes. He's like, when I do a shooting drill, I'm not just counting the mates. So he gave an example. He's like, if I do a minute shooting drill where I'm getting my own rebound and shooting threes, he said, I got to make 11 threes in 60 seconds, which is tough. But he said, if I do not get 15 shots off, I have to do it again. So I think that's a good lesson for players out there that want to improve their shooting is this. He holds himself accountable for takes in a time limit, not just makes. And then, of course, he's meticulous. This is a this is a player that will still spend 20 minutes doing form shooting so he doesn't develop a bad habit. He will still, you know, work on moves in a precision type manner where he's got 30 teaching points on something as simple as a jab step because he doesn't want to just practice. He wants to practice perfectly. Um, and I think when you grow up in an NBA environment like he has, that's a blessing where, you know, you don't have to untrain a lot of things. You learn the habits of the most successful players in the world. But it was an awesome event. It's an event that um, I'm still thankful to Stephen Curry for letting me be a part of uh, because there's not, you know, a week that goes by that I don't have an opportunity or I'm not sharing something that I learned from that event working with him to players. Uh, so it was an awesome event that I was grateful to, to be a part of. Yeah, that's amazing how you're a part of that camp and like being able to be in contact with him like that's just really cool in itself so like let's move on to the next section so like traveling all around the world so like you want to talk to us about a, a, a bit about like what you did like what which countries you've traveled to and like just like that experience yeah um like i said i've been blessed to go to 30 states and seven countries and uh I, I love going into a new environment and helping players over a short period of time. Uh, that's been the majority of my business throughout the 11 years is I've been a clinician and I, I love going in and inspiring players and showing them the skill set that they can aspire to. Um, I love, I love teaching the game and showing them new things and techniques that can help them. I also love working with teams uh, a lot of my career has been traveling to uh, help teams, not just with their individual skills, but matching that to whatever offense and defense they're running. And I've had so many amazing experiences. Um, other countries I've been to, I've been to Switzerland, Greece. Uh, I've been to Puerto Rico, which is a, a U.S. territory. I've been to Belgium, the Philippines, Canada. It's hard to keep track. Uh, there's, I think there's one or two more, but I, I love going outside the country, especially because there's a, there's a, and other skills trainers like myself that have done this can attest to this. There's a whole other level of gratitude from the players and excitement. Whereas we have this saturation and oppor of opportunities in the United States. That's not so true, say in the Philippines. So I, I get off a plane and I'm treated like a celebrity and the kids are hungry and locked in the whole time. We could have, this would never happen in America. We could have 125 kids in one camp 
in the entire day, every moment I'm talking, you could hear a pin drop. Like they're just totally locked in, focused and, uh, and thankful for it. So it's an awesome experience. And for myself as a Christian, it's also an opportunity to share the gospel uh, in different spots and places around the world. Cause you know, it's just an open door as a, with a basketball in your hands, like that just kind of bridges all boundaries from, you know, race, religion, background, like everybody comes, comes together and it's, it's unique. So I've, I've really enjoyed the traveling. I miss it. I haven't been since, uh, since COVID last year, I haven't, I haven't left the country to do any camps, of course, and look forward to, to being able to do that again. Yeah, like, I would love to, like, travel one day around the world to do what you did. Like, that's, like, pretty sick. And <laughs> now, in the, now in the next section of the podcast, we're going to take a step back from the coaching. We're going to go more into the other side of this. So, like, you stated earlier in the podcast that you were a college basketball analyst at ESPN. So, what was it like being an ESPN college basketball analyst and how that's different from coaching? That's a, that's a really good question. Um, it's, it's, it's very different, but also has a lot of similarities. I think the best analysts uh, have, a, have a, coaching, a coaching background. So for me, here was the challenge for me. Um, we'll talk about the challenges first as an analyst, because I think uh, it's one of the more difficult professions, and we all think we could sit back at home and call the game and do a better job, but from, from doing it for two years, here's what I experienced is I, I look at what I would call the skill ingredients in basketball, almost the game within the game. When you're a skill development coach, you're looking at the smaller picture, not the bigger picture. And when you're an analyst, you can't do that. <laughs> you, so that was the immediate shock to me is how I watched games had to change. And I had to look at it from, you know, a bigger picture in like a head coach's perspective because you're trying to explain to the audience in a story format what's going on in the game uh, and you can't go that detailed or you lose you lose the big picture of what's going on. So that was a challenge for me, just changing how I looked at the game because I'm so used to studying it in a more detailed fashion and that doesn't translate so much. The other challenge uh, for me was when you're covering the University of North Carolina or Kentucky or Syracuse, it, it's easier to, uh, to call those games because they're on TV more. You're more uh, familiar with the players and coaches. But when you're calling smaller Division I college basketball, there's a, there's a whole other level of research that has to go into it because you can't – like my when I was a rookie, my first game, you can't go in the game and not – have everyone's name memorized like you have to be over prepared because you can't watch look at your stat sheet go back and forth but luckily I've been around some very veteran broadcasters I got to work with Randy Jackson who's been in the business for years with Adam Witten who's the voice of the Appalachian State Mountaineers and he's been in the business for years and they were really gracious to me it would almost kind of lob it to me and set me up for these perfect dunks and layups in the game. Like, Ryan, I'm seeing this. Uh, what do you see right here in this situation? They would set me up perfectly. So they kind of helped me through my, my rookie season, season with it. And 
it's been rewarding as a skill trainer to kind of, you know, change my perspective, look at the big picture. And, you know, obviously when you're live, your own. So it kind of has that component, which I don't get every day of like, you got to perform right here, right now. We're in the practice scenario all the time where it's let, you know, it's stress-free. So that was great for me too. It was really, um, really a growing, uh, a growing uh, time for me. So I, I enjoyed it because it helped me relate again to my, anything I can do. And that's one of the reasons I went into being an analyst, anything I can do to go back to being a beginner to try to feel the way that my students and my pupils are feeling, I think that's a blessing. Cause when you get too far removed from that, then you can lose, you know, lose some of your ability to understand and relate and, and reach. But it was, it was an awesome opportunity and one I hope I do more of with COVID it's been tougher because, you know, so many of the broadcasters are doing it at home. So they're relying more on their personnel that are full-time and, and, and paid uh, full-time by ESPN. So I didn't get to do any of this past year, but I hope to again in the future. Yeah, that's awesome. Like, like seeing it from a different perspective than coaching. And now let's get back onto the coaching side of things. So, so we're going to combine these next two parts of the podcast. So back in 20, the summer of 2019, we worked together at, in the Bronx with Bobby Cummins at the USBA camp. So. What has USBA meant to you? And, and talk to us about your experience working with me and Bobby Cummins two summers ago. Sure, that, that was a great time. And for the viewers out there, um, take some lessons from Lee because uh, he's really talented, at one, at networking. So to being able to get in touch with people, to create opportunity for himself, and Lee reached out to me a couple times, I believe, and to USBA about working camps and events with us. And a brief background on USBA, they run tournaments all over the country. But when we do camps, um, it's with some pretty high-level retired coaches from Bobby Crimmins to Dave Odom, Les Robinson. Uh, we bring in ESPN analysts like Chris Patola, and it's usually an all-star cast and it's wonderful for me because I'm teaching kids, but I'm also learning from some legends. Um, but Lee reached out to us and was persistent. And you got to be persistent because sometimes when you reach out to people, they're not ignoring you. It's just they've got two dozen other things and there may be priority. But he was persistent. And I noticed that right away. And, you know, like minded people will as well. Like if you're persistent and you reach out to them, like they will eventually respond. And and I did, and USBA did, and he came and he worked with us in the Bronx with Bobby Crimmins, and we had two unbelievable clinics. And I, I love working with Lee. I love working with those legendary coaches because a lot of times, you know, I think it's a good philosophy to have as a coach to seek to mentor and to constantly be mentored. So a lot of those times together, of course I'm coaching and teaching, but I am, I'm trying to grow from being around these coaches because they're successful for a reason. And I've been able to learn so much from my friendship with uh, coach Crimmins in particular and coach Odom and coach Robinson, Mark Thompson with the USBA family. Um, you you want to strive to not always be the, you know, like the ad is not the smartest person in the room, 
And when I do those events, I'm certainly not, but they, they make me feel like I am. And I think if I were to give you like, uh, why is Bobby Crimmins, why was he so successful? Cause he can take anybody and make them feel, he can make you feel like you're way better than you are and you believe it. And I think that's a testimony why he was so good for so many years and such a good recruiter too. He's a player's coach and somebody you want to be around. And he's one of those coaches who can be hard on you, but you can never get angry at Bobby Crimmins. He just has this personality, this likability to him that even in critical situations, you just, you don't lose your love and admiration for him, which is, which is special. And I haven't found that hidden ingredient or secret working with him, but I'm still striving to figure it out. But he is a likable guy, yet he, he, you know, like you have to be. You have to be someone that's pulling the sled and pushing it, and he, he does that. But like I said, does it in a way that doesn't, uh, you know, fracture relationships or cause any resentment. So he's been, he's been an awesome mentor for me. Yeah, like learning from Bobby Cummins as well as you during that camp was amazing. Like being able to see Bobby Cummins like act like coach coach those kids and like mentor them, but then also like off the court, like after the after the session, like I remember after our first session, like we like I took you and Bobby to the train to the train station and like Bobby was showing us like all around the like where he played basketball, like all this stuff like around the Bronx, it was just really cool to learn from him too, from an off-court setting. And it was just one of the most incredible experiences I've had, like in basketball, being able to learn from like two great people who have been in basketball for a long time and like know what they're doing and help kids get better, not just on the court and off the court. So thank you for, letting me learn from you and Bobby Kermans. And I hope we can do that in the future too. So let's transition into the last part of the podcast, which is about Syracuse basketball. So like you said to me last weekend that you said, quote, I'm now a Syracuse fan, the best of, this, best of the tournament. So what are the keys to Syracuse making a run to the Final Four and potentially knocking off Houston and Oregon or Oregon State or Loyola Chicago in these next potentially two games. <laughs> I am a Syracuse fan now. Um, I'm a diehard North Carolina Tar Heel fan. Usually we're having a tough year. We're out of it. So I'm going to pull for the ACC. I'm going to pull for Syracuse. Because, Lee, you're my guy. You're there. And um, I I'm going to keep it real simple as an analyst. What does Syracuse need to do? They need to do exactly what Jim Beheim tells them to do. Because this guy, this time of year, it doesn't matter what team he has. It doesn't matter what their record was. He knows how to win in March. And I'll keep it as simple as that. If they follow his game plan, and they go out there and do what he asked them to do, they're going to be successful. And I think they're a team that no one wants to play because they're way better than the record shows. And they are going to be a very tough out. And, of course, with the craziness of this year anyway, with anyone could win. I really believe that. Anyone of the 16 teams could win the national title this year. It's anyone's opportunity. 
why not Syracuse? Jim Beheim, with his experience, he's taken the team, you know, deep in the tournament many times like this before that people are like scratching their heads, you know, and on the bubble team, like I would not be surprised in the least. And I'm rooting for you guys, Lee. I hope you guys bring it home. That's awesome. And the whole, and I hope we do too. So Hughes will be playing tomorrow night, 955 on TBS against Houston and go Hughes. But more importantly, thank you so much, Ryan, for coming on this podcast. And I had a great time learning from you today. And I hope you, I hope everyone has a great day.